evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the November 23rd, 2014 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week, we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. Friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg, W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G, or like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y, because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade, and if you've won a championship within that period, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. Please give Mike, Larry, and the entire group a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week right here on The Court Report. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, do so. You'll be able to access all of last season's episodes of The Court Report, as well as this season. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice. Much like this show is not about me criticizing, demeaning, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Tonight, we will be holding a special Court Report episode. Last week, as I said, I had the opportunity to hold a conversation with Cooper Memphis Basketball Tournament Director Josh Kahane, and there was just too much amazing stuff about the event that I just needed to break it up into two episodes. Last week, we talked about the setup of the event, the early round upsets, and the Shabbos program that the boys experienced. So if you're interested, you can go back to that show right after this one, or you can hold off on on listening to this show, go listen to that, and come back to this. On tonight's special 30-minute episode, we will finish up the interview, which contains some great sound bites, such as Josh's favorite Cooper moment, the moment where the tournament truly, quote-unquote, arrived, Josh's take on the finals, the All-Yeshiva League finals featuring North Shore and Hafter, who also met this past week, as well as why Josh wants a North Shore victory over Hafter at some point this season. Finally, I give Josh a chance to take over the words from the wise segment and give us the best advice he's ever been given. Following the interview, and keeping within the theme of the night, we'll recap the Hafter-North Shore basketball matchup that took place this past week. Given how the interview took place last Saturday night, we refer to it as if it were happening this coming week, because at that point it hadn't happened yet. I disregard that as we were well aware that it will not be happening this coming week but that it was ha- that it did happen this past week. So that'll happen in about 20 minutes or so, and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program next week. Without further ado, here is part two of our interview. Back to Saturday night. Uh, just to share with you, for me in the last few years, I look forward to that night because in the past, it's the night that's made me drop all my other plans and just want to glue myself to the computer screen. <laughs> Everyone I've talked to has a Cooper moment. I'm going to ask you a little later for yours, uh, but my Cooper moment. I go back to 2010, Saturday night, Tier 1 consolation bracket game between Derek Hattora and Fasman. Do you remember that game? I remember it well. Double overtime. Uh, triple overtime. A triple overtime. It was the last game of the night, and it went into triple overtime. But what really got me was sitting here at 2 in the morning on the East Coast on a Saturday night, and you look over at the viewer counter for the site that you were using, and you see, and you also hear the announcers say, that at one point there were nearly, if not more, than a thousand people viewing the game. 
The circumstances for that aside, with the website, whatever it was, were you aware of that as it was happening? And was it at that point that you looked over at the people closest to you and said, you know, we're not a small-time tournament anymore? It's so funny because we, we talk about that all the time. That year we were using a uh, broadcast site called StickCam. And at one point when it was 1.30 or 2 a.m., uh, we looked on and StickCam takes the most watched broadcast in the world that's being posted on StickCam and puts it on its homepage. And we were up on the StickCam homepage as the most watched video uh, live broadcast going on anywhere in the world on StickCam at that point. And it was at that point that we all looked at each other and said, you know, we've, we've <laughs> really created something, uh, something great here. And it was very exciting for us. And uh, it was a great game, triple overtime game. I remember uh, uh, Harry Valinsky played tremendous for Dara Hatora. Uh, not only a tremendous, tremendous young man, but a tremendous player, uh, and it was a great game. And uh, I think it was then that we realized that uh, if we really continued working hard and committing ourselves, uh, we could continue growing this into something very unique and special. For me, that Derek team was actually shepping Nachas for me because I had uh, coached. I I coach hockey now, but as my listeners know, but way back, way back when, before I started coaching hockey, I spent one year as a uh, as an assistant coach for Derek Elementary School, which is my alma mater, elementary school. And so watching that game, seeing those guys playing, just looking at the fun they were having, even though it ended up in a loss, it, it was it was an amazing experience for me. So I, I just I felt so happy for the event when I saw that. I, I just couldn't believe my eyes because I've been watching for several years now. And to me, that's the one moment that sticks out and says, you know what, this is what the tournament really is and could be about. Well, thank, thank you so much. And I, I appreciate that the, the kind words and the kind thoughts. Saturday night is really the most exciting night for us. Thursday and Friday, well, certainly we have all the competition going on with the teams. It is still a work day in Memphis, Tennessee. And while you have some committed parents or some parents who are able to swing out of work and come by and watch the games, a Saturday night is really the night when the entire community comes together. Uh, it's right after Shabbos where all of these kids have been have been in people's homes and have met their, their spouses and their children, have developed beautiful relationships with them, even over a short three-hour dinner. Uh, and the, the athletic venue is filled. We have clearly a, nearly a 1,000 people there uh, watching. It's jam-packed. All of the teams are there. Uh, and while we joke every year about trying to find some way to not have games tipping off at 12 o'clock uh, on Saturday night, we can't find a way, and every year we do have those games tipping off, but yet it's exciting and it's memorable and the gym is packed and it uh, just provides another memory for these kids as they, uh, as they tip off in their uh, round three game at 11.58 Central Time. It's something that's exciting and it's something that's fun and, uh, and it's really a highlight of the event for us. I think you got to just thank the stars that uh, not every game goes to triple overtime. <laughs> well, if you remember that game, I think there was quite the controversial call at the end of the game. Oh, I, I remember it well. I tend to think that, uh, while I certainly don't ever want to disparage our referees, that perhaps they were getting a bit fatigued on a questionable call going to the lane with no time left and putting uh, Skokie on the free throw line in triple overtime. I would have liked to see him earn that shot and let's go into quadruple overtime if need be. But uh, that's history at this point. Let me ask you, is there a way to see that game? No, there is not, uh. unfortunately. <laughs> we, uh, we only began archiving the games last year. Uh, the whole process of being able to archive the games and post them 
is a very, very sophisticated technology, which I can't even begin to explain to you, but it's something that we invested not only considerable time, but considerable money in doing. We thought it was really important. And we only began archiving the games last year. So when you go on our website now, you can watch any of the games from last year and any of the games from this year. And our hope is to continue archiving these games so that at our 25th anniversary event, you can look back on the 8th event and watch it. But uh, we don't have from those first few years. And as, uh, as the coach of the Cooper Max in 2008, when we won the Invitational, I certainly would love to watch that championship game again. But uh, I have to just rewind it in my own memory. And would that have been your Cooper moment, or is there another one for you? <sighs> That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I have one Cooper moment. Um, I, I'm a big basketball guy. I love basketball. I love playing basketball. I love watching basketball. But... But for me and for the guys who helped me plan this tournament, it, it, it's, it, it meaning, the meaning of it is so much more than simply basketball. And I think the emails that I get from kids telling me about the experiences they had when they were in Memphis, uh, walking down the streets of the old city in Yerushalayim last Pesach and being bear hugs from behind from a kid who I turned around who was wearing a Cooper Invitational t-shirt and said he was in Israel studying for the year and he recognized me and he just wanted to say thank you. It was such a wonderful That's amazing. weekend. And, meant so much to him. I think those are my Cooper moments. I think knowing that we're impacting the lives of, of special young people, that we're making a difference, that we're uh, helping to break down those walls that, that too often uh, separate our kids and, and making sure that kids from New York know that there are kids in Memphis, Tennessee and kids in Atlanta, Georgia, know the kids from Los Angeles. And, and uh, you know, I hear stories all the time, just as recently as two months ago, about kids who are now learning in Israel together at yeshivas who are rooming together and they met at the Cooper Invitational and uh, or a young man whose sister is now marrying a boy that he met and played against at the Cooper Invitational. I think those are the moments that are most significant to me. Not at all to downplay the basketball excitement and the championship we had this year is one of the best we've had in a while. Um, I love the basketball, but I think when I look back hopefully many years from now, those will be the moments that stick out in my head uh, as the most significant. Uh, as a fellow tournament director, I could actually speak to that directly. So I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Back to the basketball, because the championship needs to be talked about. You have a low-scoring first half. Late in the fourth quarter, after big man A.B. Perlow, a dominant force the entire weekend for the Hawks, fouls out with North Shore up two and only about a minute or so remaining. Was there a sense from the crowd that without Perlow, Hafter may not have stood a chance? Not only from the crowd, I think from everybody, I think the crowd, I think the broadcasters, I would venture to say even after. I think that Perlau had done an exceptional job on the offensive side, but even more, Cody Cohen, who is an exceptional basketball player, Perlau really frustrated Cody. I think Cody maybe ended the game with seven points or eight points, really kept Cody under check, kept him out of the lane, really created a very, very difficult matchup problem for Cody. And I think with North Shore up by two and Perlow fouling out, the thought was that Cody now was going to dominate for the remaining minute or two of the game. There's going to be nobody who control Cody in the paint. And Cody would not only dominate the offensive side and continue to expand the North Shore lead, uh, but would also begin to be a major problem on the defensive side. So I think with Perlow leaving, I think the feeling in the entire gym was, you know, that, that's it for Hafter. That's the nail in the coffin. So in steps Jonathan Greenberg, tying up the game and then stripping the ball from North Shore, setting up the go-ahead bucket after pulling out its second tournament victory of the year. Ironic that these two have actually, putting aside for that fact that these two have met twice already and still have two more times to meet in the, in the Yeshiva League for the regular season, one of which comes up this coming week. But 
already you have to look at them as a as a legitimate contender for the Yeshiva League crown. But was there a point in the tournament early on where you said, you know what, as a, even as a six seed, they could legitimately win the event? Well, I'll tell you, it's even before the tournament started. When we were sitting as a committee working on the seeding, uh, we had Hafter as high as two in one of our variations. There was no question in our mind that Hafter was coming in with two incredibly talented players. You had Perlo coming over from DRS, who was a big man in a tournament that did not have a tremendous amount of size. Tournaments in the past, when you had Jojo Himmelman from L.A., when you had uh, Bixen from Florida, you had guys who were 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". This year it was a small tournament. So a guy like Perlo, who not only had size but had touch around the basket and could rebound and block shots, could shoot, could hit free throws, uh, that was dynamic force. And Greenberg, we felt from day one, was the best player on after. We thought Greenberg was a silky smooth guard, could handle the ball, could shoot, could really take the ball to the basket. And we really felt like this was a team that could and should go all the way. Our concern was twofold. Number one, they were, they were going at it without their coach. Uh, Joey Honig was not going to be at the tournament. He had plans. He had to be out of the country and was not able to participate. And certainly in tournaments like this, when you're playing a lot of games, in a very short period of time. And very early on in the season, too. I'm sorry? And very early on in the season. There hasn't been much practice. You need need to have a coach uh, who can make adjustments, who can read what's going on, who can game plan uh, and use his talents in the best way. And we were concerned that without Joey being there uh, in a close game, that might hurt Hafter, number one. And number two, with the exception of Greenberg uh, and and Perlo, this was a very, very new team for Hafter. Uh, and we were concerned how would they gel early on in the season. If this was an end-of-the-season tournament, Hafter may very well have been a one, two, or three seed, but so early on in the season with so many new players, with Perlo just coming over from DRS, we didn't know how that team would gel. But as soon as they hit the court Thursday, as soon as they hit the court, we knew they were something special, uh, and we knew that Hafter uh, was going to make a run. We thought that Nuju would be a very difficult matchup for them on Friday because Nuju has a lot of the same... Uh, style of play. They have one or two big men. They got some silky smooth guards. We thought that might be an issue for Hafter, but we all felt if Hafter could get by Nuju, they might have a clean run to the championship, and that's exactly what happened. Ironically for me, when putting together my my tournament bracket uh, and filling it out, for those of you who have looked at who looked at the uh, at the results and noticed a particular show's bracket placing 50th on the second page, I had I it came down to. <laughs> It came down to choosing for that half of the bracket, Frisch Hafter, Frisch Hafter, Frisch Hafter. And I kept going back and forth. Ultimately, what did me in was the fact that I picked Frisch. So Hafter definitely proved me wrong on that one. But just the fact that you had that, you know, that time splitting hairs, knowing that they could come in, even as a six seed, and completely obliterate the tournament, despite the concerns. It just shows you the type of team that they really have coming into this year. There's no question. They're an extremely talented team. They're only going to get better. I have got to find a way to make sure that I'm up in New York for that final North Shore half game of the season because it's going to be a great one. Um, but it, it also goes to show you the whole Tier 1 bracket. I mean, if you look all the way down the bracket, even you go down to Alexander Gross Hebrew Academy, you have a great and talented player in Morris's Formas on that team. And on that squad, you have them losing to North Shore, I believe, by two points. Uh, all of their games are very, very close. Uh, and uh, a bucket here, a bucket there, it could have been a totally different result. So I think it just shows the parity, uh, perhaps across the country this year, just the parity in really strong, talented teams. 
uh, but no team just really being uh, heads or shoulders above any other one. And I think that Hafter got good matchups. I think Hafter got on a run. I think Greenberg played great. I think Perlow did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, and they came out exactly where they were supposed to be. Uh, and I think it really just was a, a great outcome and a, a very exciting tournament. Ironically, you, you talk about being up here for for the time they face. I'm going to ask you, you may have you may have a couple of times to choose from, even if not this week. You're going to have another time in the regular season. You could potentially have a playoff matchup. You could potentially have a Sarachek matchup between the two. How are you going to decide? <laughs> That's a good problem to have. Uh, I, I certainly am happy to come up uh, as many times as possible. But uh, I'd like to see North Shore come out uh, on top on one or two of these really get the rivalry a little more exciting. I think if Hafter sweeps them on the next one or two, uh, and they're up four over North Shore this year, I might have to give Cody Cohen a phone call. But hopefully uh, North Shore will even it out, and they'll go into the playoffs and Sarachek uh, really as, as the key rivalry in the country. Speaking of North Shore, this was their third straight, I think th- I believe third straight finals loss. Now, a streak like that, having coached, do you view it more as uh, consistency or futility? <laughs> um. I think it's a little of both. Listen, they, they've had different teams. Uh, they, they, this year's team is very different than last year's team. Uh, I think the first time they made the run to the championship, I think they surprised everyone. I don't think they expected to be there. And I think they ran into uh, to a really strong Chicagoland team. That was the year when both Newlanders were playing. That was the year that Chicagoland finished either one or two in the entire country and made it very, very deep in Illinois State Championship. So you really ran into what was an exceptional basketball team. I think last year North Shore was a tremendous basketball team, but they ran into a team in Eula that was clearly the best team in the country. They won Cooper, they won Sarachek, they finished number one in the country. Uh, to some degree, there wasn't much North Shore could do. Eula was just a dominating team. Uh, and this year they brought in a brand new team with a new coach, uh, a new system, uh, very early on in the system, uh, very early on in the season. And I think that uh, Cody really had a difficult job, a time with Perlow down low, and I think that was really... Uh, the determining factor. I think even with all of that being said, as we've already discussed, it was a two-point game with North Shore leading uh, with two minutes left. Uh, but I think that uh, it's going to take some time for them to learn the new system that uh, Coach De La Rosa has. Uh, and I think that once they get everything uh, in gear, I think they're going to be a very formidable team coming down the stretch. And now that the tournament is finally over, was there any one happening this year that stuck out with you? Any one happening? Any, any instance, any occurrence, anything that said, you know what, this makes a tournament this year? That's a a really, really good question. Um, I think it was very exciting for me, and I think this is a Josh Kahane emotional thing. I think it was a very exciting time for me to have TABC back. Uh, TABC was one of those teams that came the very first year. They won the inaugural championship for the Cooper Invitational. They came back the second year when we were at eight teams, and then they've never been back. Uh, And to have TABC back Uh, to see the tournament now six years later after they last visited, to see what it has become, to see what they in a very, very meaningful and important way uh, helped create, uh, to be able to sit with Urshie Sullivan and talk about how this tournament with 373 people compared to the tournament when we had 82 people, uh, how far we've come as an organization, as a tournament, uh, to talk about our city and our community. I think that was really a very, very special thing for me personally. Um, on the basketball side, I, I'm, I'm thrilled for the guys from Hafter, uh, and I'm so appreciative to all the teams that came out. Um, and I'm really, really excited about Denver. Uh, if you look at the statue, you might look at Denver and see that they really got blown out the first two games, and 
lost pretty handily the second two games. But here you have a, a very, very small school in Denver, Colorado, who really had the, uh, the guts and the audacity to get on a plane and fly to Memphis to play in the most competitive tournament in the country and to go out there and give their all, uh, despite the fact that they were all between 5'3 and 5'7 and got blown out by, by 30, 40, 50 points, but always worked hard. And I, I think that Denver might be a team that we might want to watch two, three years from now when they get a little bit older and a little bit stronger. But uh, So I think those were, were things that really uh, stand out in my mind. And as I reflect back years from now, I think I'll remember, uh, remember those elements. Finally, before we go, I have a segment on my show called Words from the Wise. It's a segment where I go through a quote or a piece of advice that helped me grow in both sports and in life, and then and it, it relates to both sports and in life. For the most part this year, I've run through John Wooden's quotes, but tonight I want to give you the floor. Is there one piece of advice that you've received or experienced that relates to sports and life that sticks with you? Sports quote. Well, not even a sports quote, but even a... A, just a piece of advice that you were given as a player or or as a, or at any point that you said you know what this this is profound this is something I can make a, I can make a mantra of for my life uh, I'm, I'm not sure if this is a advice I got as a player myself but I think it's a piece of advice that uh, that I did receive and that has guided me not only in my general life as a as a lawyer as a father uh, as a person who works for the community here in Memphis and elsewhere. So we, sh- so, wait, so, we, so we share two professions then, coaching and law. Okay, interesting. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. Um, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Bobby Kennedy. And uh, Bobby Kennedy, uh, in one of his more famous speeches, uh, once uh, explained very clearly that uh, some people see things as they are and ask why, while others see things as they should be and ask why not. And I think in so many decisions we make in our life, uh, we tend to look at things and say they are what they are and it is what it is. And very few of us take the time to say, you know what, it could be different. It could be something. We could create something new. We could be something more. And, and that kind of philosophy and mantra doesn't uh, only extend to our lives as professionals and family men and community activists, but it also extends on the basketball court. Like, can we as players, can we, can we envision ourselves playing more competitively? Can we uh, spur our teammates to not only see our team as a team that competes on a Monday night, but a team that can reach for something more, can grow for something more? And, uh, and as these young men get into the real world and uh, are done with yeshiva basketball and become uh, family men and professionals themselves, to not simply be content uh, at seeing the world the way it is, but always be looking for ways in which we can improve the world, we can build something, we can do something different. I think that the Cooper Invitational uh, stands for that very much. Who would have thought eight years ago if I would have told you that in little Memphis, Tennessee, we were going to bring 375 people every year from the most prestigious schools and the most acclaimed basketball programs to Memphis, Tennessee for a weekend of competitive basketball and a beautiful Shabbaton, you would have thought I was crazy because that wasn't what was happening. Uh, but even though that's not what's happening, we asked, why can't it happen? Why, why can't Memphis, Tennessee be the preseason home for this type of event? Why can't Memphis, Tennessee be a place that kids come to visit and come to expect to have a wonderful and meaningful and, uh, experience with lifelong memories? And so my advice would be to, uh, to look at the world and to see the world the way it is, but not uh, to be afraid to ask why it can't be different and not to be willing to work hard and to dream big uh, and to make things different, to make things better, uh, and to live in a very special and unique way. 
Josh, I want to thank you again. This interview was a long time in coming, but it's definitely been worth the wait. I'm looking forward to Cooper 2015. Hopefully we can do this again. Elliot, that would be fantastic. I'm, on behalf of everyone in Memphis and the Cooper Invitational, I want to thank you so much for your support, uh, for your unwavering dedication and, and chasing me down to make sure we speak. And one of these years, I really hope you'll come to Memphis and you'll join us live on the scene for the Cooper Invitational. Very much looking forward, Josh. Once again, a huge thank you to my guest, Josh Kahane, again wrapping up a two-week segment talking about the Cooper Memphis Invitational Basketball Tournament. As I said earlier, North Shore and Hafter, the two finalists from the Cooper Memphis Invitational Basketball Tournament, met up this week in what would be their first official regular season meeting after having met uh, actually twice before they would actually face in the regular season. As it stands now, this would be the third of, at the very least, four meetings, if you count, like I, like Josh and I spoke about, potentially meeting again in the playoffs, maybe even a championship, and potentially again Sarachek if both teams make it. But this being the first regular season meeting. So, just to recap the two games that they played till now, in the, uh, in the Mag and David Championship, uh, the Mag and David preseason tournament, Hafter defeated North Shore by one point. In the Cooper Memphis uh, basketball tournament, uh, Hafter defeated North Shore by four points. Josh Kahane would not get his wish yet. Uh, as he said on the, in the interview, uh, he wanted North Shore to win one of the games. While the game this past week went to Hafter 53-45, to both teams came in ranked uh, in the number one and number two. Hafter is number one, North Shore number two in the nation. Hafter would improve the Yeshiva League record to 3-0, and 10-0 overall, while North Shore dropped to 2-1 and on the Yeshiva League season. Downing North Shore, uh, 53-45. Still no answer for A.B. Perlau. After holding him to 9 points in Memphis, Perlau exploded for 20 points and 17 rebounds, double-double on the game against North Shore. John Greenberg adding 14th for the Hawks. Greenberg actually averaging more points per game than uh, than Perlau, but Perlau seemingly the difference maker on the team, with no team being able to guard him, or trying to guard him. It opens up the lanes and opens up the outsides for Greenberg to just torch teams. He scored 175 points in 10 games this year. 17.5 average is good for sixth in the nation in scoring and fourth in the Yeshiva League behind Adam Matovich, uh, uh, Gabriel Leifer of DRS, Nathan Beebe of Hillel. So, right now, Hafter, now three three wins over North Shore. Gotta imagine that, that Hafter is in North Shore's heads at this point. Cody Cohen has not been able to get uh, to get it really going against Hafter, despite being the leading scorer for North Shore this week. The question is going to be, not really so much North Shore, but can anybody stop this Hafter team? North Shore has had three cracks at and come up empty all three times. Is there any team in the league that we're not considering that's... That, on the level of North Shore that can handle a big man like A.B. Perlo? Maybe Frisch. We have yet to see Frisch take on Hafter. And who knows? Maybe they have what it takes. Uh, maybe their shooting, uh, maybe their outside shooting is going to be enough to take down the big man. Maybe, who knows? We will just have to see. They don't face in the regular season. So it, we may just have to wait till the playoffs until we see a, a an answer to that question. Maybe there'll be an interesting uh, team that we're not considering. Maybe it'll be a guard-heavy TABC 
who can shoot the lights out from the outside. Uh, or maybe it'll even be North Shore just finally finding an answer. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. The season is only a few weeks old, and they have only played three games, but the schedule ahead looks very favorable for them, having not faced any of the big teams out west and having faced North Shore once. They have North Shore one more time. They have DRS a few times. They have Flopush a few times. But other than that, I really don't see anybody that might stand in their way of an undefeated season rolling right to the playoffs. An interesting question from North Shore's head coach, Edgar De La Rosa. Knowing that you've only had a few weeks of practice with the team and knowing that it's an early season, despite losing to Hafter in the, in the three times already, the question is, do you keep uh, moving forward with the current game plan until the team picks it up and maybe that's what uh, brings Hafter down? Or do you switch up based on what you've seen from Hafter so far? Before we go, we here at the Court Report would like to wish the players, coaches, administrators, officials, and all of our listeners and their families a very happy Thanksgiving. Next week, we will return to our regularly scheduled format and will cover all the basketball action from the 10 days leading up to Thanksgiving, as well as full slates of hockey and girls sports for you right here on the Court Report on the Nahum Siegel Network. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, JM in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m., live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh, yeah.